Hi, I'm Jen Turner, and I'm a psychic medium. Hi, I'm Nadia Thorman, and I'm like the Ryan Seacrest to her Teresa Caputo. And we're here to have a normal conversation about weird stuff. Welcome to The Soul Spot. Hello, friends. Hi, everyone. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing okay. I'm a little tired today, but I'm doing okay. How are you? OMG. Um, I had to compose myself before we started recording because my darling, amazing son decided to find a big black Sharpie and color all over my mattress. Oh, God. (laughs) And I had just pulled the sheets off the mattress because of him. So, like, you know, we're just... We're really killing it over here today. (laughs) Sammy the dog escaped right before we started recording. She ran down like past, like almost to the lake. And Dave was, Dave was like sprinting after her. She just, she takes off as soon as the doors open. It's terrifying. Did you freak out? Yeah. Like every time my heart stops, I'm like, oh my gosh, please God, like keep her safe. But luckily, like good Samaritans, they always because she'll stop as soon as she sees someone because she just wants to like say hi, and so um, and then so thank God these like good Samaritans like always kind of hold on to her and like look around and wait for us to catch up. Ugh, so, good. but but good. yeah, kind of like an eventful afternoon, I guess. But yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. Well, I have a glass of wine. Do you? <laughs> I have Estella. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That works. I wasn't going to, I was really on the fence. I'm like, I shouldn't like every single time, but it just felt right. You know what? It's quarantine life. We usually record these after four 30. Yeah. Sometimes after four, whatever. Yeah. It's the weekend. still. that's true. I, I'm sorry. It's that's kind true. of hashtag YOLO. Yep. It's where I'm at. Or as many times as you want. <laughs> or as many times as you want, as you say. <laughs> Uh, all right should we get into some reading of the week yeah let's do it this reading was actually last night and so I'm gonna talk about Sean's reading Nadia so Nadia was actually there uh we had like a distance reading distant reading it's our mutual BFF yeah mutual BFF and like I I feel like I've done I've done a reading for him before but it wasn't as formal as this one Correct. Was. And, uh, and so he was really open to it and we opened up and he received, or I got, um, one of his friends who had passed. It's somebody that I knew, but not well, like I had met on maybe a couple of occasions. So that's always interesting because the information I don't want clouded since I did meet him a couple of times, but I also obviously don't know him to the level that Sean knew him. And I obviously don't have like all of the memories and Sean actually hasn't opened up too much about, about him. So, um, so I felt like the information was like coming through pretty clearly. And yeah, I mean, I guess just to get started, I could feel his presence like right away. And then it's just like a warming up period to it. And then it's like, where do I want to begin? Because he goes really fast. I said this last night, Nadia, you, you heard me, but that like he was really actually really easy to get. Yes. The way that I can explain that is sometimes it feels like you're reaching for the information or trying, like your energy is trying to get their energy to stay. 
And then sometimes it just feels like all you need to do is open up a little bit and you feel them right away. And that's how he felt. So he's, I always say that that's like when they're easy to get, like they're just kind of right there. All you need to do is like open up a little bit and then you're going to get them. So that's how I experienced it last night. And there was like some pretty cool validations for Sean, even though it was emotional and everything, but it was, I, I think that it was pretty healing for him or I hope it was. I think it was really beautiful. And I'm just going to say that I've seen you in this process many times by now, but it's always pretty amazing to watch. And it's always pretty amazing how you can kind of capture somebody's essence and you do a really good job kind of just explaining who they, who they are and sending messages of things that are very um, specific to their character. I mean, I knew him a little bit better than you did um, just because I had been around him more. And I just think that a lot of things you said were just really true to who he was. And it was really, really cool. It was yeah, really there special. was there was some really cool validations that obviously I wouldn't have known. Yeah, so um, very specific things, like very very specific things, and it comes in like you know these like abstract ways. And one of them, which I don't mind sharing, was I was getting like kind of a a boy reference, like a little childhood boy reference, and I saw Miles's little green like one inch aliens, and they're from a Toy Story set. They're like those little aliens. You know what? If you guys have seen Toy Story, you know what I'm talking about. There's like, I think three of those little aliens or whatever. So I kept seeing Miles's alien set and I was like, okay, he's bringing me to aliens, but that's not it. He's bringing me to this. And then, then he showed me like a Buzz Lightyear and I was like, oh, he's showing me it belongs with the Buzz Lightyear set. And then that's what, that was the reference that I got. And then turned out that that was like one of his favorite movies. And there was like an art piece, I think. Isn't that what Sean said? Like, yeah, someone commissioned for him right. after he passed. That was like, that was like Toy Story, which is so crazy and so specific and so cool. Because right. I mean, I I would have no idea about that, and neither would you, right? And I think that's something that only people really close to him would know. So I loved that validation. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, it was really cool, and it was. I think there were some really beautiful messages for Sean, who's engaged, and just like talking about, you know, his his best friend, who's going to be at the wedding, and he'll still be there, sending love and um, supportive. And so there was like a lot of, I think, healing messages in it. And also, I think like a big takeaway for me, I always have a really big takeaway from what the what spirit is communicating to us, especially connecting with him. There was just such peace with him. And so don't be sad for me. Like I had a good run and I enjoyed everything. And like, my life was great. And there's just, there was such a positivity about him. And it was, it came from like a very humble, positive place. And like, I always walk away being like, I want more of that. Like I need to like, I need to remember that lesson. I need to remember how that felt and really try to embrace that in my own life and like emulate that attitude of like, you know, I think I'm guilty of it. I know a lot of us are of like constantly wanting more. Yeah. Or it's like, we have this, but like, what if we had this? And we finally get to the, the step in our life and then we want more after that. And like this constant kind of like hunger for more. Like and- we're always like one click or one throw rug away from like everything feeling like, okay, now I can relax because that's done that's done. And then you get to it and then there's something else. Right. Yeah. So, so, and, and he just was the opposite of that. It was such a humble thing of like, whatever he had was cool. And like, whatever he had was like, great. I don't know. It was just really cool to connect with. And it was emotional for me because through him, I could 
I could feel Sean's pain, if that makes uh, sense. You know, wow, like yeah. he was explaining to me that he was like with Sean during like those painful moments when he would go up to his roof and he showed me pictures of Sean going up to his roof, having moments to himself and like really grieving over the loss of his best friend. And like, I saw those and that was really hard because obviously I love Sean to pieces and like, we don't see that side of him in pain, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that was emotional, but, but yeah. And then there was also something interesting and, and I talked about it last night. I don't know how I feel about it yet. If I, if I am going to just have to get over it or what, but there's something interesting that happens where like, if I say last night's example was like, I'm seeing moonshine or he's giving me moonshine. And then Sean said, like, are you sure it's not whiskey? Right. Okay. So I was like, no, I know that this is moonshine. And then like, right after that, I get that everybody's taking shots of whiskey. And so I don't say it. Because you feel like now you're shooting in the dark or something. Because or just it, you question your, your. <laughs> yeah. And it's totally ego. I think because he was giving it to me. Like I saw it almost felt like they were in like on Broadway or something like in a in car Nashville. or like a, yeah, like a trolley or something like that. And I just see like shots being taken mm -hmm. of like whiskey. And I was going to say it cause I was getting that information, but then I stopped myself because I'm like, I don't want Sean to think that like I said that because he just gave it to me. Right. You know, so tricky. Well, I guess that's what's tricky too for the sitter is like, it's always that thing of you want to validate, but not give too much information. So it's hard because I don't know. I don't think there's a perfect way. And like, I think maybe, I mean, with Sean, it's like funny that I stopped myself with him because out of anyone, it's like, he believes me, you know? So he wouldn't like <laughs> question me. Right. Um, so I should have just gone with it, but I also felt like I don't want to do it right now because he just brought that up and I don't want him to think I'm like just going off of what he said. So I don't know. I'm kind of kicking myself about that. Like, I feel like I should have gone with it because there was some good info in it, but lesson learned. No, it was a really beautiful reading though. I took notes for him. There were so many really, really specific, wonderful details and validations and memories that you brought up. And I think it was incredibly healing and I'm just honored that I got to like be a part of it. So thank you. Yeah. Okay, so what I want to talk about today for our, our main topic is something that actually came up in the reading last night, and that is um, intuition in, in children and dogs. So actually, one of the things that came up in Sean's reading was that you mentioned that one of his dogs kind of frequently, you know, gets a certain way or gets skittish and you acknowledged to Sean, like, he's thought, does this mean my friend is here? Right. And you validated, yes, like, that's what's happening right now. Like, right. <laughs> so, you know, we hear about this a lot with dogs, specifically with dogs. I mean, gosh, there's so many beautiful stories you hear about dogs that are service animals that are able to sense when someone's about to have a seizure, dogs that predict when an earthquake is going to happen and they act really weird, you know five minutes beforehand, yeah. you always hear about a dog knowing when their owner is pregnant and they act a certain way, yeah. very protective of them. The dogs, when they know an owner is coming home. So it's yeah. kind of like, I want to cover all of this. First, I want to tell you that I reached out to our soul spot community and like people had so many stories about this stuff. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm sure. I think it's so cool. I'm going to read you one of these, um, 
little stories we got. And then I want to okay. kind of go from there. Yeah. So um, Brianna Carlsbad says, when I was pregnant with my first child, everyone said, there's no way you'll have her early. So my early labor signs at 37 weeks went unnoticed by me and dis I dismissed them as Braxton Hicks. My dog Winnie knew better and she was glued to my side through the whole thing. I thought, wow, she is extra clingy to me today. Right. Weird. It was just me and her when my water broke later in the afternoon. She nuzzled and licked my arm as I waited for my husband to battle traffic and get home. With baby number two, I knew something was about to happen when she started to whine and not leave my side. That's so cool. I love that it played out again. That's really neat. Yeah. So, you know, you always hear about all of these really amazing stories with dogs and just kind of having that sense. It's interesting yeah. because I'll get into it more later because it kind of relates to our, our soul science article, but you hear that dogs have these heightened senses, right? They have a heightened sense of smell. They have a heightened sense of hearing right? and even sight. So you kind of wonder, are they able to tap into those kind of other dimensional senses quicker? Yeah, absolutely they are. I feel like once you have one form of communication taken away from you, the others are heightened. So I always say that, right? Like if you have, if you're blind, then you can hear better, right? Yes. And like your hearing increases and your taste increases or whatever, like you, you pick up your other senses make up for that. And I feel this way with humans. I've told you so many times about this. Like my theory of humans is that I think that early childhood trauma or neglect forces that individual to be highly intuitive because they don't have the support. They don't have, like something's taken away from them. So they've built up this other skill or flexed this other muscle. Right. And I think that's the same way with dogs. Like they don't have like the verbal communication. Mm -hmm. So they can, they can sense their needs and their like rearing period is so small that they're kind of left. Like if they were to be in the wild or whatever, they're left to be on their own and to be like, they're just so instinctual that way to be able to survive. They rely on their senses so much that of course, like that intuitive piece, I feel like has been highly developed. That's the way I take it anyways. And, and it makes sense to me. <laughs> Well, and you, you know, you always hear about dogs. Um, a lot of people have dogs that, you know, they'll start to growl at somebody they're suspect of and they have like, I was just going to say that. That's so funny. <laughs> yep. They, they've nurtured like these instincts to protect the, the people, their, their pack, the people, their loved ones, you know, that they're trans- excellent judges of character, right? That's right. That. Excellent judges of character. Yeah. Um, and to kind of transition into children, you said something that kind of hit the nail on the head where it's like they don't have these communication skills. So like you've said before, children under a certain age, they don't have the communication skills, but they do have their instincts. Yep. And those instincts aren't um, spoiled by logic or ego or that that's impossible. Things don't work that way. So it's, it it comes from this really pure place. Um, So I got some stories um, about children and their intuition. One of our listeners Megan in Orange County, she says, um, between the ages of six and eight, I used to see my dad in the middle of the night when I would get up to go potty. Wow. Uh, obviously, this is her dad who's passed. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be leaning on my mom's windowsill with his arms and ankles crossed, wearing his signature Levi's white t-shirt with the pocket. I would freak out, run back to bed, and cover every inch of myself in blankets. Yeah. It's weird because 
I would see him kind of often when I was a kid, but as an adult, I don't. I will still have the occasional dream with him and that feels super real, but it's not as often at all. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so incredible that these children are so open like every chakra, every energy portal, they're so connected to the other side. I feel like they're able to um, see things very objectively, like in the physical. I was the same way when I was younger. I don't see things in the physical as much anymore. Like it's very rare that I see things objectively. I see it in my mind's eye instead. But when I was younger, I would see it like that too. And so I think that you are just so open and you're so you're not conditioned to think that it's not real or conditioned right. to think it's make-believe. I will say this for, for the moms listening um, and the dads listening too, is that if your child has had experiences like that, like they are true, they're not making it up. And also it's important that we talk about it with them because I think that it can be really scary. And that's not to like fear monger anybody, but I do think that like for me personally, when I was younger, those, those types of things would really scare me because I didn't understand it. And then when I would try to explain it to somebody, it's difficult because they're not picking up on it. You know, right. like the adults really aren't understanding it. So, you know, it's kind of not normal and you know, it's different and you're not sure if you should be afraid or what. So you just kind of get that fearfulness. It's just like anything with the unknown. So it's important to like talk to them about it and let them know that they're not capable of hurting them. You know, so, um, so it's so amazing that they were able to see it and that they were able to cross over and be able to connect with that loved one. So I, I mean, I love that. I think it's really cool. I mean, and just to kind of touch on that, I think it's whatever language you're comfortable with and whatever, you know, spiritual relationship you've kind of cultivated with your child. I know that Emmy has asked me before, um, you know, if ghosts are real and I say, well, I say kind of, you know, but I call them angels. So it's, they're actually right. not, they're not scary. Right. Um, and I, and I, and I flip the script in a way that is something that she can digest and is something that feels true to me. And I explain that to her. There's all of these kind of archetypes about spooky things and ghosts or this or that. And what I, what I always say is so beautiful about what you do. It's like, I know now if I ever heard a rumbling in my house, I ever thought there was a presence like truly not one fiber of my being would be scared by that. If I thought it was something otherworldly, I think it, I would just think it was so cool and so beautiful because right, right. I've, gotten to, I've gotten to the place where I'm like, this isn't spooky. It's never right. spooky. Right. It's, it's usually somebody, it's usually a loved one. They're usually just trying yep. to make themselves known yep. and it's so cool. So like once you flip the script on that and make it, you know, come from a place of love and spirituality and you, you come from that place, um, that's how you can talk to your kids about it, you know, and whatever your belief system is, however that works in your house, um, explain it to them that way, that it comes from a place of love and, you know, use whatever verbiage you want to use. For me, I use, you know, I tell her there are angels, um, right. and you know, she loved that. So, yeah. And it's easier for them to understand that it's a safe energy, that it's a safe being around them when you use the word angel. So yeah, I think that's great. And I think kids are just so magical when it comes to this type of stuff. I was thinking about this actually earlier today, that there's such a freedom in their creativity when they're at that age. 
six to eight is like a really crucial time too. So it doesn't surprise me when she says that. And the reason is, is that it's because you're old enough to remember, but you're still young enough to, to not be closed off to the spiritual world. Right. Anything before four is really hard to remember. So it's like, you probably are experiencing it, but you're not remembering it. So like around six is like, you're going to have clear memories of what took place. So that time period is pretty important. With my children or with any children, it's like their ability to imagine and play pretend and draw and color and sing and dance and do all of these like really creative things. It's an abstract language. And it's the only way I can explain mediumship and intuition is that it is a very, very abstract form. And it's hard to explain because of that, that things come in shapes and colors and images and metaphors. And it's just this very abstract language because it's not as clear cut as somebody just calling you on the phone, explaining what's happening or explaining what the message is. They're trying to communicate to you through like a mind to mind communication and they're going to use whatever they can to get the messages through to you. And a lot of that time it's in weird abstract kind of art form. And so I think when you're at that age where art is a really big part of your life still, you know, when you're younger and you can look at, you know, like Miles can draw something like he was watercolor, he was doing water paint this morning. And it's like, what is that? And it's like, that's a rainbow. And we're like, oh, that's a rainbow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, it looked like a dragon or something. And so we're like, oh, cool. Good rainbow. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, obviously that's a rainbow to him because that's what it felt like to him, even right. though it doesn't look like that. So if Miles were to have get, get that image elsewhere, I'd be like, well, I know that's a rainbow. And it, right. you don't even think twice about it because it's just your language and they're so comfortable within that language. And it's really similar to mediumship and intuitive work, but it's a lot harder when you're an adult to be comfortable with that. And that's why we talked about this last time, but like the imagination piece of it, your imagination is a huge part of intuitive work and mediumship work. And it's not because you're making anything up. It's because you're using that abstract mind, that abstract part of your brain that's very similar to dream state or sleep state or when you're composing music or when you're painting, like you go into that state. So it's important that you're comfortable with it, I guess. So this reminds me of another story we got. You're talking a lot about colors and shapes. Um, our friend Maribel in San Clemente says, um, my kids have all at one time or another shocked me with their intuitive abilities. My six-year-old son has told me he can see colors around people. He describes wow. it as watercolor surrounding people, but yeah. see-through. He said he can see colors around some objects. He is also has a real ability to fix emotions in a room. I don't know how to describe it. She kind of also messaged me on like a sidebar, like she's never told him anything about auras or anything. Like this is kind of all a very purist, like Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, I just that's think that's so, so cool. cool. So the auras... Um, come pretty naturally. And it's, it's one of those really cool things that I, I love auras because I think if you just practice a little bit, it's one, it's a quick one to get, it's a quicker one to get. And it's interesting because when I first started really embracing auras and seeing auras, you can on objects too. And so that's, what's like, that is kind of cool because I always thought it was just people or like maybe an animal, but like, I see it in plants a lot. Oh, really? Like I'll get it on plants and 
So it's just kind of neat to see, to feel that and to see it. And the color thing, a lot of people get hung up on the colors of the auras, like if it's green or if it's pink, like what does it mean? And again, like, it's just like Miles's rainbow. It's what it means to you. So it's really hard for me. Like they'll say something like, I think it's common for people to see the same colors around people, but it's also just very individual to, to what your language is. So, so red to you could mean like fire and like hell or whatever, you know, like for something fearful and red (laughs) to me, red to me could be like love and like Valentine's and, you know, like hearts. So it's, it just is really kind of whatever your shorthand is, but, um, but I love that. And children are for sure going to be able to pick up on the colors of people a lot. And then they can just, you can just have games with them even like painting and say like, that's the color blue. Like, what does that mean to you? What do you, how do you feel when you see that color? How do you feel when you see this color? And that kind of helps. Okay. I have one more. I love this one, but I want to talk about something else afterwards too. Okay. She says, my 12 year old daughter has seen her grandfather in our kitchen. These things run in my family and they never question themselves. It's almost like blurting things out. It's so pure because it isn't marred by being self-conscious. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Did I ever tell you about my ghost story or my, my spirit sighting when I was like 15 in a hotel room? I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember. Okay. So this is the one time I, I can remember that I've ever seen like a super duper real physical embodiment of a spirit. Okay. (laughs) I just think it's kind of interesting because I was, I was, I think I was about 14 or 15. So I was at an age where maybe that's not as common, but what happened was I woke up from a dead sleep and I saw this figure standing, this translucent figure at the foot of our bed. I was sharing a bed with my friend and this figure was an old man who was in a jogging suit and he was like kind of like doing like a, like a back and forth movement with his towel. (laughs) Like kind of like when you're running in place, but you got a towel around your neck and you're like kind of jogging. And it was so specific and distinct. And I remember waking up and looking at this figure and thinking, holy crap, this is, this is a ghost. I'm staring at something that is not of this earth. And I remember looking at my friend and lo- like knowing that I was awake, I, I kept checking, like, this is not a dream. Like I'm right. for sure awake right now and I'm seeing this. And I just remember thinking like, all right, I don't know what to do about this and kind of like accepting it. And then just staring. were you scared a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I was a little bit scared, but also just kind of knowing, like, I don't know what waking my friend up is going to do right now. <laughs> right. So I kind of remember accepting it and then just closing my eyes and trying to go back to sleep. But yeah, I, I still to this day say, I'm like, that was definitely real. And I think it's because I was in that state of like, just waking up. Isn't that like a place where you're more kind of in tune with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, and, and this came up in the reading last night too with Sean that I knew that Sean could get his friend who had passed Uh, while he was like kind of falling asleep. That's when people tend to feel it the most. Again, you guys, it's not that that's when your loved ones are visiting you. They're with you a lot. It's just when you're able to receive it. I remember like when you first came into your mediumship, you you would see a lot of faces at night, right? 
So this is like a crazy story, but as long as I can remember, when I fall asleep, I, I would fall asleep to images of faces, all sorts of faces. And sometimes I would latch onto one and, and sometimes they would be sad. Sometimes they would be happy. Sometimes they would be like from colonial time or Western times or different ethnicities. I mean, all sorts of faces. They're not faces that I know. They're not faces that I would recognize, but it's kind of always how I've fallen asleep. It's for as long as I can remember. It took me almost like what, like 35 years or whatever. Cause a couple years ago, I remember, and I told you, like, I started crying when I found out that it was like me actually accessing that. Yeah. Cause it was so powerful to me. Like when I, I shared it with a couple of people in like some of these mediumship circles and, and it was like, oh my gosh, like that's, what's been happening this whole time. It's not that I just like fall asleep to faces. Like it's actually like spirit coming through. This is crazy. And I remember just kind of being blown away, like, and, and actually crying when I figured out that's what it was, because it was just this moment of like, oh my goodness, like this whole time, this has been happening to me. And so I would let it in when I first started doing the mediumship stuff, like when I first really embraced it, I would let it in. And it was kind of like practice for me. So I would like let them do it and, and like let them take me on these journeys with them. It became too much. And it's also like, it's fine and it's great. And I know what I'm getting, but I can't validate it. And it's not relevant to me or to anyone I know. Right. So, um, I started after that kind of saying like, please only come, like, I will let you in, but only come to me if this is relevant to me or someone I know, if I can like share this validation, otherwise like, please be at peace and like go. But yeah, that, that face thing. And it's kind of stopped since I started doing mediumship a lot more like since I've embraced it, it's stopped. But I remember it being like really kind of emotional for me when I realized that that's what was happening. I mean, that's wild. And I mean, I can relate to that in a way because I, I always get a lot of images right before I fall asleep. And I don't know how much of it is a, of that nature or is just kind of my mind falling asleep. But I do know what it feels like to not be asleep and have all of these things kind of just rush over you, right? It's yeah. like a really interesting space because you're not asleep yet. I, I definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> and you know this about me, Nadia, is that I am... Um... I've had insomnia like, oh yeah, <laughs> my, I mean, pretty much my whole life. I feel like on and yeah. off since I was at least high school and like certainly in college and it was, it got like pretty bad at times. And now I feel like it served me well with motherhood. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I know how to operate off like no right. sleep. Um, and I actually can operate like off no sleep. It's, it's like actually fine for me, but, but it's weird because I think there is something to that. And I, the fact that I wake so frequently um, so I don't know if there is a connection to spirit world. I'm imagining there is. And like our doctor friend said, um, our friend Stephanie said that my sleep cycles must be so short if I can remember all my dreams, that there's something about my, my REM, you know? That's wild. Yeah. No, it's true. I don't know what that is, but I have some nights where I just remember my dreams so vividly. And then it's like, I know, I, I know I dream every night. Like I'm a very active dreamer and sometimes I don't remember all of them. Um, but there's some nights I really remember all of those dreams. Yeah. And I think kids too, they have these dreams and like kind of bringing it back to kids. I think that, um, it's really great for you to talk to them about it. Like, what'd you dream about? Yeah. And just like kind of explore it with them. It's so fascinating to hear what they have to say about that. And a lot of it is spirit stuff. I mean, it's, it's a huge part of this physical world is the spiritual world. So it bleeds into it daily, 
every hour, every minute, almost. I love that. All right. Are we ready for some soul science? Yeah. Okay. So this is just a fun one today to kind of like go back to our subject at hand. Um, I found an article from Bustle and we will link it in the notes of the podcast. And um, it's five weird paranormal things dogs can sense that most humans can't. All I right? already love this. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to read you a quote from Marty Miller. Um, she tells Animal Planet that both humans and dogs have a sixth sense. And she says, humans but humans judge or deny what they're feeling. Dogs don't judge what is going on in the environment. While our own minds start to analyze what is happening, dogs don't do that. They feel the, the baromic pressure change, and they may react shaking, panting, salivating, and feeling anxious, or they may not react at all. I mean, that just goes back to everything we were talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's intuition. That's instinct. Yep. Okay, so... Five things. Number one, they can hear things we can't. Yes. So we all know about their great hearing. Dogs have phenomenal hearing. And this is a really great quote. Okay. According to paw culture, this could be what makes dogs more likely to hear some footprint of a ghost or a parallel universe. Wow. Interesting. I mean, I love that. There's no, sci- there's no actual science behind that, but, but like, come on, we know better. Yep. <laughs> Uh, number two, they can detect diseases in humans. So we've all heard about these cancer sniffing dogs, these dogs that help protect, um, kids with special needs from seizures, from running into traffic. So, so amazing. Number three, they might sometimes see things we can't. Yep. So a dog's sight is also a lot sharper than ours turns out. And, um, again, like this goes back to uh, your reading of the week with our friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, dogs can sometimes see things. And th- I think there just hasn't been enough science on this to even know what they experience. And- well, it's just like a child can. And like what I could do, what Megan did when she was six, you know, it's like you can see objectively in certain times and certain things. And for dogs, I'm sure that they can. I'm sure that they can. We all say, we all have, if you are a dog owner, you have a story of a dog doing something weird, being like, there's nothing there. For like sure. either like barking or growling or cocking their head or staring at a wall. It's like, that's unusual behavior. And I'm, we all get, we all get annoyed and tell them to be quiet. <laughs> I know. But I mean, yeah, I think that they definitely can sense. And, and that's what I was saying. Like the intuitive stuff, it's like, they're such intuitive creatures that absolutely they can sense. I'm sh- I know that they can sense spirit. Absolutely. All right. Number four, sometimes it seems like they sense natural disasters. Well, I'm sure everyone's heard about the dogs predicting earthquakes. I know like, yeah, I, I remember my, my family dog growing up and my mom's dogs. Now I have so many, um, stories about dogs, like acting like complete weirdos and chasing their tail and barking like yep. five minutes before an earthquake hits here in Southern California. We have a lot of earthquakes. Yep. You hear enough of those stories. There's something there. <laughs> There's something there, you guys. Of course. All right. And number five, they may feel a presence we can't see. Once again, it's like uh, they talk about dogs avoiding a spot. They talk about dogs just feeling skittish around certain places in a house. Mm-hmm. There's things that we can't explain, but we have our little doggies with their heightened senses 
and they're very intuitive little sensitive creatures. So, you know, let's, let's, let's give them their love. Let's give them the credit. (laughs) I mean, I am, and you are too, but like, we are such dog lovers, such dog lovers. Like I think that dogs are the most amazing creatures. They are the perfect example of unconditional love. They really are. You know, what they have to give and what they bring to this world is so important. They, they love without judgment. They act without judgment. They just are pure souls. Pure, and, pure souls. And like, you know, and, and so many of our listeners, I'm sure feel this connection to their own dogs, but it's like, they're more than just an animal. They are like a, such a soul member of your family and yes. they can sense things, of course. And you know that they can. And it's why I mean, even for me, it's why when I had blitz, like I could go to sleep. Okay. Cause I knew if something was going to go wrong, he had it under control yeah. like, up and it would, and it's just like the best feeling, you know, and there's such a comfort in knowing that they know so much and that they can sense so much and they really do rely on that. But like, I couldn't imagine a life without dogs. I mean, I'll be honest, like daily life before quarantine, I definitely like took for granted, like what the doggies brought to our family because mm-hmm. life is so crazy, you guys. Like we, there's so many, pre- if you have, especially with kids and there's so yeah. many activities and pressures. And then you have now, like they just, they feel like more children at the end of the day. But now that we're slowing down, like I have such a um, renewed love and appreciation mm-hmm for our little fur babies because they really are so healing and comforting they are. and they've brought us so much like cozy peace during this time. Um, Same. I, well <laughs> I, see, said. I see all these people out there right now adopting puppies. I know. It's like one of the beautiful things about quarantine right now is that everybody's adopting. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I that's love amazing. It. I love it so much. Like I, I do just too. hope that like everyone kind of remembers what this feels like. So when they have to get back to the daily grind, they're not like over it. <laughs> I know. And then these like fur babies are going to be in shock when everybody goes back home. You know how you mentioned about the dog's intuition and instinct. And I think you mentioned that like dogs know when the owners are coming home. Yeah. There's actually a book and it's by, um, I, you've heard me talk about him before, Nadia, because I'm a fan. His name's Rupert Sheldrake. Oh Yeah. And he's a doctor. If you guys ever are interested, he's, he was kind of like infamous for having his Ted talk band because it was like about spirituality, um, and like collective consciousness, exactly (laughs) like collective consciousness and stuff. And it's actually incredibly fascinating. If people were to like sit down and like take the time to listen to what he has to say, it's like, that kind, of censor, that kind of censorship really pisses me off. I'm I know, just going to put too. that on the record because it's like, who are you to say? But anyways, go on. Well, I, in <laughs> fact, I was more intrigued that it was censored. I was like, well, then I oh, got yeah. I to right. know what this is about. For like, this sure. is like, this is pissing someone off. This is pissing off the man. It's got to be, gonna it's burn, gotta be legit. You know? You're not going to burn my books. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but anyways, his name's Rupert Sheldrake. Um, he's, he's an incredible like scientist. And he wrote a book called um, dogs that know when their owners are coming home. I remember this. I remember when you sent this to me and this is fascinating. Yeah. So he does a study and it's a crazy kind of long-term, he's a scientist, keep in mind. So this is data. He has even statistical experts. So nobody can like bash him mm-hmm. on like, um, on changing the s- statistics or the measurements of this, which is just so crazy that you even have to go to that. But he 
like recorded and studied dogs that could sense when their owners were coming home. So they would have cameras or whatever on these dogs and they would do it at different times. Yes. They would do it from different places. Yes. Um, so he was really testing it. Like he was testing all the variables and no matter what, like say a owner left for work and then came home like 10 minutes later, the dog would still know she's coming home. And it's like, but she wasn't due to come home until five or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's really fascinating. And there's a lot of other like studies out there. There's one, I think for, um, I think it was the Navy or the military. And it was that like dogs could sense bombs under the water, like, which is just like so (laughs) insane. Like it's pretty crazy. Like when you, when you hear about these studies. I know. I love it. And I, gosh, I, we got to get the, we got to get the um, illegal footage, <laughs> the banned footage from that guy because that's out there. It's out there because that um, Ted talk you're talking about yeah. was so amazing. And I just remember being blown away because like you said, like they took away, it wasn't that, Oh, he, the dog is on a clock that knows that five o'clock the owner comes home. Like they changed right. There were so many variables, things that you can't explain. They sensed their humans coming home. Who knows how, but there was something there. They sensed the energy. It was like an energy. They picked up that energy, right? It all comes back to energy. It all comes back to that energy vibration. And those dogs could pick it up. Yep. You know, the same way you can pick it up. So, yeah, I mean, we all can. Like, we we really all can. All right. Are we ready for some Ask the Medium? Yeah. Okay. So our first question comes to us from Allison and Mission Vio. And she asks, what is the difference between a medium read and an intuitive read? And we've covered this, but I think it's probably a good refresher. Yeah. And, I, and it's a common question. Um, so intuitive read is really more past, present, future type things. So if you're asking for an intuitive read, it's really all about connecting with you. So if I'm doing the reading I w- with Nadia and she wants an intuitive read, I'm going to be just connecting with Nadia. I'm going to be getting her energy. I'm going to be feeling it out. I'll be doing some past stuff. And for me, the reason the past stuff is really important is because I know if I'm on the right like channel and like the right vibration, if that is all yes, then I'm really confident about what I'm getting for, for the present and for the future. And also there's some beautiful messages about the past too, like some healing things and some things that there's something really therapeutic. I think about telling somebody about their childhood or about their past in maybe a new perspective or a different take. So, um, so that's more intuitive stuff. And there's also usually like the, the intuitive stuff I think is really, um, helpful in building your own relationship with self. So you can kind of like, I'll be able to kind of tap into like how you're feeling if you're confused on how you're feeling. Uh, Whereas the mediumship stuff is more with um, connecting with people who have passed and souls that are in the spiritual world. So um, that's a mediumship read and like both are beautiful, just different. Very good. Okay. Our next question comes to us from Moret in Tribuco Canyon. And she asks, when someone passes... Do they age in the spirit world? Are there babies and old people, or does everyone have the same level of being? It's a great question. It's like a really good question. So I'm going to answer it the best that I can, just in my personal experience, is that there is ages connected. They're loosely connected. 
And I will say this, I don't think that there's really like age in the spirit world. I think that you're just a being and an energetic being, but I think that they will come through to me with an age. So I know who that belongs to. Like, so they can be recognized that way. So I feel like this soul will come through to me and I'll say like, it's an older person, whatever, who've experienced that. I don't actually feel their energy being older, but I know that that's who that person was to the sitter. Can I interject real quick? Yeah. There is like a common denominator that I've noticed in your readings where people come through at like the healthiest version of themselves. So I think you always get the message of whatever physical um, impairment they had here, maybe before they passed or on earth is now like they're free of that. Like they're always like at this healthy version of themselves, right? When we cross over, there's no more physical. So the physical pain, the physical ailments that they had, that doesn't exist anymore. And as far as like the soul ages go, I think it's very different on the other side and it's almost hard to explain because it's kind of just this like everlasting soul. It doesn't feel like they're really aging over there. At least to me, it doesn't feel that way, but I will get somebody and I'll say, this person was really old and I'm actually don't feel that they're really old. I just know that they're really old because they're, they're telling me that's who they were to you. So if I were to get your grandfather, for example, I'm going to say it was an older man, probably two generations above you. Yeah. And I'm going to say he was older. He had a hard time walking this and that. I don't feel that when I get him, I just know that that's who he was to you. So I'm giving that to you to be an like, identifier to identify. And, um, and like, I'll give you another example is that if there was a baby who comes through, they don't come through like an infant. I'm getting communication. I'm getting the same like mind to mind communication as I would an older adult, um, as I do with the baby. There's nothing infant like about feeling that soul or anything like childlike about feeling that soul. It's more just an indicator that that's who that soul was this time on earth to you. So I need to give you that. But oftentimes these, these young ones that pass are really old souls. Well, that's what I was just about to say is that um, it's so interesting that term old soul, I mean, it comes from something, right? Like yeah. you know, if you talk to a child who is a very deep child who has an old soul, that's a very um, specific and special you know, term you use to describe somebody who it's like, you just kind of know, like there is, there's an old soul in there and that that's where that expression comes from. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that it's uh, probably not quantifiable. <laughs> yeah. It's really <laughs> hard. It's a fantastic question though, because I do think it's a, it's, it really opens up a lot of conversation of, you know, if somebody passes, do they age on the other side? If somebody only lived to be like five here, is that how old they are there? And it's not, it's not how I experience it at all. I feel like these souls are like very wise on the other side and they have a lot of things to say and they have a lot of insight that's like way beyond their years in the, in what their years would be in the physical. It's just how they come through so you can identify them. Well, that's very beautiful and I love it all. Well, you guys, this has been another great episode. Um, I just want to kind of leave this episode saying that, um, you know, let's remember we're in a, we're still in a really weird time. You guys, we're in this 
COVID world, we're still kind of in an uncertain times. And I've been seeing a lot of nastiness on the internet and it really breaks my heart. So just be kind. <laughs> yeah. Be kind. And remember when you're in front of your friends and family, most of us, I would say 90% of the time feel the same way about things. And most of us all kind of have the same heart. We come from the same place of love. So just remember to like carry that spirit with you when you're in this new digital platform. That's kind of our main form of communication now, right? Yeah. Um, let's all treat one another with that love because what do we have without it? Am I right? <laughs> but yeah. again, we love you all. Thank you so much. Be, be more like a dog. No judgment. Be more like a dog. <laughs> Everyone be like a dog. Be like your dog. <laughs> be the person your dog wants you to be. <laughs> exactly. Um, Jen, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at the.soul.spot. And how about you? And you can find me also on Instagram. It's my name at Nadia Thorman, N-A-D-I-A-T-H-O-R-M-A-N-N. Thanks, we everyone. Love you, guys. love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.